Welcome back to our second episode of the SEC football show. I, I think I'm going to start stop counting after this one because I, I, I'll get them mixed up between the <laughs> ACC and SEC. But as always, I'm your host, TJ Pittenger. Uh, glad to have Chris Landry here with me, Landry Football. Chris, how you doing today? TJ, I'm doing great. It's always great to talk football with you. And it uh, the countdown is coming. It's uh, closer and closer. We're I'm not a countdown guy because football's all year round, but for the fans, I think you can start to sense it in the air with the media days that everybody's uh, starting to lather up for football. Yeah, for sure. And we've been on quite a marathon ourselves this last uh, 24 or so hours, right? We've, we've done four four of these things today, and, and we did the Pac-12 yesterday, so that's probably a pretty good plug. Um, if you're listening to this on Wednesday morning, Thursday, whenever you you pop this in. Um, you can go check out the Pac-12 football show, the SEC football show, Big 12 football show, Big or the ACC football show. This is the SEC and the Big Ten football show. So they're all on iTunes. They're all on Spotify. They're all on Google Play. You can find them all at Landry Football. We've retweeted them from the Big Three Rollup account. Um, they're all there. They're all ready. But uh, I'm about worn out. I don't know about you. I don't know how you do these and then several others, but uh, I'm about worn out from these five this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm still going strong, I hope, anyway. The voice, I don't know. That may be uh, – I'm noticing that's kind of getting weakening. But, hey, it's always great talking football, and uh, I'm excited to talk to our, uh, our fans out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and I, I wouldn't trade it. So it's, it's been a good day, and – Glad to wrap up with some SEC. The SEC is still king. We've said that a couple of weeks now, and the people that are fans of this conference will enjoy that. The cross listeners may not, but uh, yeah, let's get let's get right into it, man. But before we do, we always want to shout out the uh, Big Three Roll Up Network that we're a part of. We appreciate the partnership there and guys that I've been working with for quite a while. If you are an SEC fan and you happen to be a, a Florida Gators fan, check out our Florida Gators only podcast, um, Stadium and Gale, and uh, also check out Landry Football. I've I've listened to three other co-hosts uh, host these podcasts, and they all kind of rave about Landry Football. They've got way more football knowledge than I do, and just an awesome site to go check out. Chris is really in depth there on a lot of things that we're talking about, a lot of things that we don't have time to get to in the hour a week that we spend with you, but definitely go check out LandryFootball.com. Um, glad to be in partnership with Chris and the team over there. And, uh, you know, other than that, man, let's get into it. What's going on in the, uh, in the SEC. Well, I want to get the folks as media days were taking place last week. There are a few things that I thought were of note on the recruiting trail that I thought were interesting. And I want to run through them pretty quickly. Tennessee got, a, I think a really good three-star commitment that's, I think, a little bit better than that, and that's an athlete, Darian Williamson. I think can be a really good playmaker for them, really good athlete. Um, I think he's going to be used as both a receiver, linebacker. That's where he's used in high school, but I think he'll grow into a really good receiver, maybe even be on the defensive side of the ball. Alabama, the rich get richer. Um they get a verbal commitment from uh, 2020 defensive tackle Timothy Smith, 6'4", And he's the two-gap type of player. He's from Sebastian, Florida, Sebastian River High School. I think he's going to be a zero technique or a three technique once he gets on campus, uh, a, you know, a big um, two-gap plugger. Um, I thought it was interesting um, 
you know, for Auburn, some uh, some news out of the media days. Gus Malzahn talking about Bo Nix. And I can tell you, having talking with Gus and the coaching staff there, and this is going to be real, I think, kind of determine the plight of Auburn season is their quarterback play. He is really high on Bo Nix. So I don't know if Bo or Joey Gatewood's going to get the start, but I think the clock is ticking for when exactly is uh, Bo Nix going to take over. So that's going to be interesting. Uh, some bad news for Auburn is uh, Austin Troxell is going to miss the, the big tackles, going to miss the season due to an injury. And then, of course, at South Carolina, they're uh, going to lose uh, Jalen Dickinson with a hip, but he's going to be out for this fall campaign. So that jumps out at me. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention at Alabama, they're looking at, um, you know, as, as, as much talent as they have, they've always used running backs in the kick return unit. They're looking at Henry Ruggs and Jalen Waddle potentially to maybe be as a return guys. That's going to be potentially scary. Those guys are explosive playmakers. So that kind of jumps out at me a little bit. And um, I think that Mississippi State, a couple of news there. Uh, Joe Moorhead said he's uncertain whether the redshirt senior, Kendall Jones, who's got an undisclosed injury, is going to be ready for the start of the season. But it does appear that the senior receiver, Isaiah Zuber, uh, is going to be ready. So that's uh, that's the lead story. And um, I know obviously – uh, we got uh, a, a, a situation that's happened over this past week with the Florida Gators hiring a former Florida State assistant that we'll talk about here. Yeah, for sure. So Greg Fry was an offensive line coach for Florida State. Uh, FSU's offensive line woes were not uh, undocumented. <laughs> they were very well uh, publicized. And, and as a Florida State fan, we really struggled there. Uh, they did not continue. With Greg Fry and the Gators are moving him or hiring him as an assistant. So, you know, on social media, Florida State fans tried to downplay this. Florida fans tried to, you know, upsell it or make it bigger than it was that that Florida State, I believe, paid him a buyout. So is essentially paying him to work for their biggest rival. What do you think, Chris, as outside looking in? Where where do you lie with it? Well, it's a really good move for Florida because remember they're hiring him as an analyst. He's not going to be, he's an extra set of eyes. So, um, you know, he's not going to be an on the field coach and he's, you know, someone with a background that's pretty good. I think the guy is a pretty good coach. The biggest problem they had at FSU was lack of talent. It wasn't that he forgot how to coach. Now, did they do a really good job schematically? You've heard me discuss it at FSU. The biggest problem they had was it wasn't very talented on the offensive line, and the scheme was ill-fitted for what they tried to do. So they asked guys to do things that just didn't make a whole lot of sense schematically. That's coaching, uh, and not so much on Greg Fry, but what they tried to do offensively. Um, I think Greg's a good coach. Uh, if it was moving him immediately, the coach at offensive line, no, that's not what they're doing at Florida. So. Uh, a very, I would say, even overqualified for the analyst job that he had, but because he's getting paid very well, it's a really good move for Florida. A uh, guy comes cheap with some credentials. Uh, it's a really good move for them. It doesn't affect Florida State in any way. They moved on from him, um, so he was going to go somewhere else. But I would say very positive for Florida. And, you know, for Florida State, it, it wasn't somebody uh, that they were going to keep in that role. But again, he's not in the same role at Florida. If he was going to coach the offensive line, that is a different situation. That's not the case. He's not going to be an on-the-field coach in any way, just an analyst. Yeah, for sure. And then so 
as an analyst, so you know more about this than I do, mm-hmm. and maybe more than the average listener. Um, obviously, Florida State struggled with Florida. They have their annual matchup every year. How much does he help in that analyst role when it comes to that last match of the year? Especially assuming or considering that Florida already probably has the upper hand based on last year's result, where the two programs are, and the fact that it's at home. Does Greg Fry help out there as an analyst at all, or am I making too big of a deal of that, too? Um, Probably too much there. I mean, listen, they know Florida's personnel, and I can tell you what he can do is he can help that week because he'll know uh, the FSU personnel. So he'll be able to give some insights into what this guy likes to do, what he doesn't like to do, what the strengths or weaknesses that are above and beyond what you see on film. Because he's been around those kids, he's recruited them, he's coached them, he's coached against them in practice, so he can add something there that can be uh, of of assistance. But the the reason why he's hired is going to be an extra set of eyes. Now he's like a guy. Keep in mind, he's he's been at an offensive line coach. You've got an offensive line coach at a at a quality place like Florida State, and I, I laugh when people say, "Ah, this guy's awful," this, that, and the other. I mean. Um, you know what? Uh, a, a guy like Kevin Steele, who's one of the best defense coordinators in the country, people laughed when when he got his next job because remember he got 70 points scored up against him when he was the defense coordinator at Clemson, and uh, West Virginia beat him one year. So it's you know people will think, oh, this guy's awful coach. Our offensive line was off. Well, that's that's being short sighted. Uh, this guy's a pretty good coach. It's been a quality offensive line coach, and now he's going to be an analyst, an extra set of eyes. Keep in mind that those positions are usually people that are inexperienced that's never coached a position in college. So, you know, even someone who's been maybe not successful but has experience of coaching a position at a high level now can be an analyst, that's that's getting that's a pretty doggone good intern if you want to call it. You know, so that's that's yeah. the way I would look at it. So it's really good value. So he can help in evaluating and recruiting. He can help in, you know, breaking down other people's offensive lines, other people's defensive fronts, that he can aid the offensive line coaches at Florida. So a more experienced guy than most people are going to have as analysts. You know, that's what Alabama does. You know, they got Mike Stoops. Mike Stoops was fired as a defense coordinator at Oklahoma. People thought, oh, this guy's a joker and he's awful and yada, yada, yada. The guy was a head coach at Arizona. He had some success as a coordinator. He hadn't been successful recently. This guy is an analyst at Alabama. Butch Jones, ah, that moron at Tennessee. What you know? What people say? Look, look at the experience level that those guys bring. And I know from a fan and a media standpoint, you tend to say, ah, oh, this guy is dumb. The the dumbest coach ever has forgotten more than the most intelligent football fan. So, so let me just put it out there that that these guys have tremendous value, particularly when they go down in in terms of responsibility. They're not going to be intimately involved in game planning. They're going to be producing work for the guys that are providing the game planning. And so in many ways, they're overqualified for the jobs. And I think that helps you a great deal. And that's what big-time college programs do and hire guys that have good experience. Even they haven't been real successful, you got to understand that the reason why they weren't successful is not with bad coaching or bad technique. Um, they just weren't very good, quite frankly, at Florida State last year. Yeah, for sure. So I didn't ask you this on the ACC because we didn't get into it, but did Florida State upgrade that position with Clements? Well, I, I I don't. I think it's it's uh, uh, I think a potential upgrade, 
But I'm going to be quite frank with you. If they don't get better play from personnel, you're going to find the same issues. As I said, I don't think it was. I think the reason why it's an upgrade is it because it fits with this current coordinator. That's important. The most important position coaches in football are the offensive line coach and the secondary coach. Position coaches, okay? Coordinators first, then position coaches, and those are the two most important. I think it's imperative that the defensive coordinator has his secondary coach and the offensive coordinator has his offensive line coach. So there is no question that it's an upgrade considering that there's a new coordinator and that's his guy. It, it just in general, is the guy a better coach or not? No. I think the results are better. It's like having people that, you know, you, you're in the radio business. You've been around that a lot. It's not that someone's better or not. The chemistry is going to be a little bit better. And this is the way I would describe it. So it is an upgrade for what they want to do. The fact that they're going to have somebody run the offense and it, the, from a protection standpoint, from a speed standpoint, how they do it, alignment, it's a much better fit. I don't think this would have been a good fit uh, with Fry and Kendall, and that was never in the mix, of course. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. And really even more than just from the FSU perspective, understanding kind of that back end of the coordinator having his DB coach and the coordinator having his offensive line coach. I think that's great perspective. So, and a little bit of insight because I, I wasn't aware of that. And maybe the average fan isn't. Um, all right, cool. What's going on in recruiting? Well, I thought it was uh, an interesting week uh, in that it's been about a week now, but some big news. And one of the best quarterbacks, four-star quarterback, Hayden's King, um, he's going to A&M. Uh, it, it was a, a tough blow for Tennessee, Auburn, but Tennessee lo- thought like they had a great chance. But uh, behind the scenes, it was pretty clear that A&M was making inroads. And, man, is A&M just absolutely killing it. I mean, they're looking – I said this last week, but they're looking an awful lot like Alabama and Georgia on the recruiting trail. Haynes King is outstanding. Maybe the best dual-threat quarterback in the country. Uh, I don't. I, I can tell you, I haven't seen a better one in this 2020 class. Um, he's outstanding. That's a great get for the Aggies. Alabama gets one in a four-star athlete, Christian Story. They're almost about done. He's a really good athlete. Now, he picked Alabama over A&M, um, and Tennessee was a, a school he initially recruited to, but he had a recent visit to um, Alabama and Coach Saban, and it's a really good athlete. Uh, I, I'm curious to see what they're going to do with him. I think he can play a couple of different roles for him. Um, I think he can play uh, safety or receiver. I see him ideally as a safety, what Nick Saban um, wants. The other commitment is Alabama got another four-star commitment from the 2021 class. Yes, folks are recruiting about three classes right now. They got a 2021 quarterback, Drake May. Uh, you may not know him, but you know his older brother, Luke May, who played college basketball at North Carolina. His father, Mark May, played quarterback for the Tar Heels. This guy's really good. He's from Cornelius, North Carolina. And so, again, 2021 class. Keep him in line. So that's the latest in recruiting over the, the highlights of the recruiting this past uh, week. Jimbo and those guys continue to stay hot, huh? What about yeah, this uh, – this QB, is is this the, I mean, obviously you can't argue with the results of, of Winston, but is this the second best QB he's ever recruited? 
Well, I don't know about that. It's a little early for that, and he's recruited some good ones. I think this guy has got more dual threat capabilities. I mean, I think this guy can do more things on the half rolls and the boots. He's more athletic than Jameis Winston. Um, you know, Jameis was more of a pocket guy and, and is more of a pocket guy. I don't mean to put it in past tense. He's in pro ball. But, uh, no, I think this guy's more of a dual threat guy that can do a lot. Listen, he's, he can do a lot of what Kellen Mond does but he's better and he's really, really good. I mean, he can throw it. He's got a good arm. He can throw it off of different platforms, but you know, running the RPOs and, and, um, uh, you know, he can do all, he's six, three, one eighty. So, I mean, he's gonna, he's gonna be a 200 pound kid and he's going to be able to run and, uh, he's going to be able to throw it again and make it very, very difficult. You know, Jimbo does a good job, but I think that he may end up being, a special player because of his dual threat capabilities. That's the way I see him. You never know these kids. Sometimes, you know, TJ, they, you know, they, they get a girlfriend and get, and they don't not committed to football. We never know how things are going to work out injuries, things we can't forecast, but this kid's, this kid's got greatness written, written all over him. And I think he'll be the guy ultimately. And they got a couple of other good ones there, but I think this kid has a chance to be great. Yeah, for sure. Hey, this wasn't in the notes, but let's get into this real quick. Since you mentioned Mond, I think people would consider, you know, Tua and uh, Fromm as one and two in this conference. Uh, how do you see the next three ranking out? Like, what are your, who are your next three quarterbacks? Where does, where does, you know, obviously the Gator fans want to hear Franks in here, and uh, my my buddy Karen wants to hear Mond in here. How do you see the next couple panning out? Well, first of all, I would put, you know, Mond and Joe Burrow on the next level. Um, I, I would say that Burrow's really good, but I think that Kellen Mond with Jimbo, uh, would probably, I would probably put him third, but I think Joe Burrow's pretty good. I think Felipe Franks has done a nice job. I think it's Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen is a phenomenal coach. Uh, I think he's really, really good. And he's gotten a whole lot uh, out of him. Um, I would then go with Kelly Bryant. Um, I like Jake Bentley. He's got to protect the football better. They've got to play better around him. Uh, then Garantano at Tennessee. Um, and, and the other guys are unknowns. I mean, is Tommy Stevens going to get the job? Um, or Keontae Thompson? Uh, I mentioned Bo Nix. We're not going to talk about the beginning of the year. But by year's end, at the beginning of next year, we might be talking about Bo Nix as one of the best. Ole Miss is, you know, a little bit, you know, Matt Corral. I think he's got a lot of ability. But new quarterback, probably Ben Hicks at the, at the, at Arkansas is going to get the nod there. So it's a lot of unknowns beyond the the first few, and that's kind of how I would say. Wilson to me has got to have much more improvement as a passer out of Kentucky, and they're going to rely on him to do a little bit more. And then you know, listen, Riley Neal's you know hasn't snapped the ball yet at, the, at Vanderbilt, and you know, so I I think it would pro- I'd probably go with Mond and Burrow. And then I would go uh, with Felipe Franks. But I think that third, fourth, and fifth are pretty close. I would probably go Monboro and Franks in that order. Yeah. And then Bryant. Well, as the year goes, we'll definitely readjust that. The play on the field will tell us that. We, yes. we won't have to get the projections or the predictions too much. But uh, thought of it when you when you brought up Mon, I just kind of want to see what your thoughts were there. Uh, have you been scouting anybody? Who have you been scouting this week and looking at? Yeah, I want a couple of names that I want to go to Auburn for a little bit and talk about uh, a couple of guys that I think are really good. And that the corner, uh, Iganobi, is a really good corner. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. 
And, you know, he transitioned from receiver, and he's done it very well. This guy can really run, and I think he's got a chance to be a good next-level corner. And I think uh, with that defensive line, they're going to be really good uh, defense this year at Auburn. So, again, quarterback play turns out. Auburn has always been feast or famine, you know, TJ. I mean, it's just, you know, they're either really, really good or they really stink. But this defense has a chance to be good, and if the quarterback play is better than maybe people might think, look out. This team could be really good because the defensive line is good. And Derek Brown is the guy that people talk about. But I want to talk briefly about Nick Cole. He may be the best all-around talent on Auburn's defensive line, and I think this defensive line is one of the most talented in the country. But Cole, 6'5", 291, um, very impressive. Uh, he's got speed off the edge, and he, he converts speed to power very well. I think both of these guys have day one draft pick potential, Brown and Cole. So they're just two of those guys, but they can line up front four as good as any in the country. You get into their depth, eight deep, I wouldn't call them the best defensive line in the SEC or the country. But top four right now in terms of proven, I absolutely would do that. On the offensive side of the ball, Want to give some love to Markel Harrell, who gave up the fewest pressures in the SEC last year among returning players. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really, really impressive young uh, pass blocker and very good in the run game. So uh, we'll see how well he plays and how well uh, the quarterback plays is going to have a lot to do with what he's able to do up front. So those are some guys that I wanted to spotlight this week in the scout spotlight. Yeah, awesome. Well, we are continuing our journey and breaking down different teams. Uh, we hit a few last week. We've got three more this week. Uh, what do you say we get into it? Where, where do you want to start? Uh, let's start. Well, we got two Mississippi schools. Let's go with Mississippi State uh, first here. And, you know, Joe Moorhead, um, last year, eight and four, good season, but there was a lot of expectations. My goodness offensively they struggled, but man, were they salty on defense. They gave Alabama all they wanted and more. And look at all those guys that walked across the stage in the NFL draft, just absolutely loaded. So it, it's going to be a big, you know, you lose Montez Sweat and Jeffrey Simmons and Jonathan Abram. I mean, those were they, that, that defense allowed only 13 points per game. Okay. Second in the country. Okay. Only Clemson was better. And again, you could look at, the offenses that Mississippi State played versus Clemson, you can make the case that that defense did as good a job or better than anybody being able to hold good offenses down. Really, really good. So uh, I think that's something that just they're going to have to adjust to, and they're going to need more out of the offense. Um, this year, are they going to get that? When I look at with Joe, I, this guy's a good coach. Uh, they couldn't get Nick Fitzgerald to do what they wanted to do. Um Keaton Thompson may be the guy, but Tommy Stevens may be the guy most familiar with the offense. So I think they've got better options at quarterback this year to work the passing game. If they don't get the passing game better, they're going to have a problem. Running the football is something they can do, they will do, but in order to do that, they have to really have balance on offense, which they did not have. I think Kylan Hill is outstanding and one of the more underrated running backs in the country, certainly in the SEC, and I'd put him on the front line of some of the better backs in this league. Uh, but the quarterback play is going to be pivotal. I talked about their defensive line, their edge rushers. I got to tell you, their linebackers, 
maybe as good as any in the SEC. And Thompson and Lewis and Gay, they are all outstanding depth-wise. Again, might look at Alabama, uh, LSU, but LSU, but uh, but but Mississippi State is really good on the second level of their defense. And um, I think you're going to see Bob Shoup change some things up schematically. Um, you know, listen, they, they're going to have to be more aggressive. They're going to hand you have to manufacture more pressure. They're probably going to go more nickel and, and more of an even front than an odd front, um, than they did last year. Cause they had those war daddies that can get home and three and four man rushes. And they could, they could do a lot of things on the back end. They're going to have to play more man and be more aggressive up front. Um, I think their offense, their offensive lines always good. They're always physical. They'll be that again. Uh, they're just going to have to throw the football better. The defense will be good, not as good as last year. But, look, I mean, they've, they've got um, the linebacking core is good. Uh, I think they've got the secondary that's got an ability to be good. The backfield uh, offensively may not have a lot of depth. But, again, I like Hill. I like Gibson to give them a one-two punch. Um, I just worry a little bit about overall on the defensive line. I think the overall depth at receiver, uh, is that going to hinder them a little bit? Um, Listen, I think the Auburn and Tennessee games is the key to go from seven wins to nine wins. You know, people will look at the job in Starkville. They will always look to Dan Mullen and the great job that he did there. And and it's going to be impossible for Joe Moorhead to escape Dan's shadow. And, you know, winning eight games last year, people thought maybe they should have won an extra game or two perhaps because it maybe was a once in a four or five year type team at Mississippi State. But I also thought Joe did a good job. It's just offensively he couldn't get much done. I think this year is going to be a challenge. And I think that if you can win eight games a year at Mississippi State, you're doing a good job. They may have greater expectations. I think it's realistic. They open up against uh, Louisiana Lafayette, Southern Miss, Kansas State, Kentucky. Look, I mean, I, I think there's seven wins there. I think they beat Abilene Christian. I think they beat Ole Miss. I think they beat Arkansas. I think it's at Auburn and at Tennessee. I don't think they'll beat LSU, A&M, or Alabama. But I think that they could be, you know, seven to nine wins, and it will probably be determined if they take care of business what they do at Auburn or at Tennessee. So um, it'll be interesting to see. That's how I look at the uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs heading into the season. Yeah, and if I had to project it, I would, I would guess around eight. I think they start 4-0. The Auburn game, I would say they they probably split it right with with Auburn and Tennessee. Fortunately, they get two weeks off for that Tennessee game. They play Auburn on the 28th, and then they play Tennessee two weeks later on the 12th. Um, so my guess would be, and just looking at those two programs, that Auburn would be the one that trips them out. But if they or trips them up, but if they can start five and one after beating Tennessee, I think they lose, like you said, three of the next four with. LSU, A&M, and Alabama, but then finish up against Albion Christian and then win the Egg Bowl at home. I, I don't think eight wins is bad. You know, you go to a bowl game, you probably play in something like the Belk Bowl or something similar to that, and who knows? You know, maybe you get that ninth win. If you can upset somebody else, which certainly not going to predict that, or get that second win against Auburn, don't trip up anywhere, you know, maybe you can roll the dice and, and get that tenth win in the bowl. But, yeah, I think somewhere between seven and eight, maybe nine wins is what you're looking at regular season with them. They were really a play away from beating Florida last year. Didn't they? Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't one of the receivers drop like a 
70 mm-hmm. yard pass or 60 yard pass that would have walked into the end zone and, and taken that game kind of by control. They couldn't do it. Florida's defense was incredible that night and Mississippi state's offense just provided nothing outside of that long drop pass. And so, like you said, if they can get it going, if they can get it going outside of the running game, I think they'll be in good shape. If not, it's going to be pretty tough. So, but what's on the other side of Mississippi? Let's look at Ole Miss for a minute. I'm really worried about this team and this program. Um, this is where the hard part starts for Ole Miss and Matt Luke. And listen, I think that he did a good thing by hiring some experienced uh, coordinators. Rich Rodriguez, former head coach, really good offensive mind, running the offense, and Mike McIntyre, uh, former head coach of Colorado, good defensive coordinator, kind of run things. I don't know that they're going to be there long term. In fact, I'm going to say that I don't think they will be. And if they're successful, I think they move on. If they're not successful, then we all know what happens there. But, you know, they're losing a whole lot of big-time playmakers. We tend to forget with their record being so poor last year, you know, being 5-7, and 1-7 and seven in the league, that um, they were really loaded at receiver. They had some big-time guys. Those guys are gone. And now you got Matt Corral coming in. I like his arm. I think he's a competitive kid. And I think he can do a lot of what Rich Rodriguez wants to do running the football. But I just I don't think they match up personnel-wise. They're going to struggle up front, and I think they're going to struggle to run the football. I do like the fact that Jerry and Ely, the outstanding young running back, um, is going to concentrate on football. Um, you know, I think that that is Scotty Phillips is a very underrated back. So I think they have two backs, but I worry about them getting push. And I, I just don't know that they're going to be able to make the big plays and stretch people out vertically. And so you're going to have a problem. And they're going to miss a Greg Little. Uh, they're going to miss a Sean Rawlings. Uh, those are tough misses. And, of course, Metcalf and Brown are just – you can't replace those type of guys. Um, and I thought Jordan Tomo threw the football uh, deep very accurately. So they're missing some key guys. There's no question about it. Now, I think Elijah Moore can be an impressive young receiver. Maybe he can kind of help that, ease that a little bit. But I just look at the roster and I say, um, it's they or Arkansas who's dealing with the worst looking roster in the West. And we're probably going to find out that answer on September 7th, at least as it relates to that game. Yeah. But, you know, and I worry defensively. I like Mac McIntyre and he's stepping in a rough deal. I mean, um, you know, listen, uh, they're going to run a 3-4, but I don't know that the personnel fits it. Um, you know, it, it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough ask for what they want to do on the defensive side. I think that um, Josiah Coatney is is a really good end. Benito Jones, I think, can hold his own at nose tackle, and that's where they're going to go to 3-4. And I think Muhammad Sanagu is a good player. They're just not enough of them. So I really worry about that. So I kind of look and say, where are their strengths? I think – with Phillips, they potentially could run the football, have some make-you-miss ability with he and Ely, and I don't know how well Ely will play early. Um, but I think Phillips is going to be a really good fit in this scheme. I think Muhammad Sanagu is a really good tackle. It's a bad linebacker unit, but he's a guy that can clean up a lot of things for you. Uh, I worry about their offensive line. And again, how well can you run it? How well can you protect a young quarterback with an offensive line that has this many changes? So... I think it's an issue. Last year, they were a bad tackling team. I thought Sanago uh, really tackled well, but everybody else really struggled. They got three junior college transfers on defense that need to play, you know, like big-time players. Um, I, I think there's some real issues. So 
I don't know that uh, that that it is, you know, something that I look in the bright side and say, yeah, this this is going in the right direction. I see what they're doing. I think it's kind of a stopgap measure, and I think the roster may be the worst in the league. I think Arkansas slowly, you know, maybe getting just a touch better. Um, but I think they're looking way up in the West, and I think that they may have to make some drastic changes. And I think they feel like, and I do agree that when they hired Matt Luke, it was the good hire because he was one of their guys, and it was a time post you freeze where the sanctions were coming in. You had to look at things and stabilize things. And I don't think the job was as good then as it could be now, meaning it's tough in the West to win, but they don't have the sanctions. And I hope that Matt Luke can be successful, but I think it's going to be really hard for him to have enough success to sustain his job. And if one of the coordinators on the staff do a really good job, they may make a move and promote one of those guys. I mean, Rich Rodriguez would be a guy that in, in normal circumstances – if you were hiring him from Arizona as the new head coach at Ole Miss, people would applaud that in some respects. Yeah. Um, so if, if offensively they're dynamic and he can do more with less, he might be able to get that job. Mike McIntyre has a deep-rooted background. His dad, of course, was George McIntyre, longtime coach at Vanderbilt. You know, so both of those guys have a background in the South. Rich Moore with um, obviously his background at Clemson, you know, way back in the day and I think there are two potential head coaching candidates on the staff. If one of them does an exceedingly good job, uh, well, maybe that's enough to save Matt's job. And then one of one or both of those coordinators leave. Or if there's maybe more of a one-sided team that's really good, and, and, and you know, maybe they make a move internally, or maybe they clean house and go in a different direction. I think all are on the table, and it's going to be interesting to see. But I don't see many wins on this schedule. I really don't. I don't think they go to Memphis and win. I think Memphis is a better team week one. I would be surprised if Ole Miss won it. I think it would be a great win. Arkansas um, at home, you know, I don't know. I mean, that's that's going to be an interesting early season game that might decide who's the worst team in the West. I think they beat Southeast Louisiana. I think they beat New Mexico State. Every other game, well, at Alabama, at Missouri, A&M, Auburn, LSU, I don't think that those are winnable. Cal, I think the, to play Cal. I think well. I think I think Cal is a question mark game because it's at home and Cal's offense is not very good. So I think they've got a shot at Cal, but it's a question mark game. Vanderbilt question mark game. Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State should win it. If you want to call it question mark. Perhaps, but I'll call it likely an L because I think state's better. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm looking at seven losses. I think five and seven is about as good as they can do, quite frankly. And, um, I, you know, I don't know if that's going to be good enough to get them another year. It's probably going to depend on how they look. If they win five and seven, how they look doing it will determine a lot. Yeah, for sure. Not a lot of promise there. A lot of those question marks have to turn into wins. And just – you know, we were talking about this the other day on the Big Three Roll-Up. If you just look at games where you say we, we could have won that or we should have won that, we looked at that with, you know, uh, Florida last year. Could have lost to Mississippi State, but probably should have won another one along the way or whatever. You know, dropped a game that they shouldn't have to, 
you know, Missouri or just whomever, you're going to go about 50 and 50, or you're going to go about 500 in, in those games. And so for every question mark, it's probably going to go about your way half the time and not the other half. And so to count on all four of them to turn into wins or to count on three or four question marks to all be wins is probably unlikely. So yeah, we're probably looking at a four and eight season at most, you know, and a three win season. Yeah. As my friend Bill Parcells always said, you are what your record says you are. Yeah. And so it'll be tough there. I think, I mean, you talked about that Arkansas game. That Arkansas game could be so bad that it's good. You know, when you've got the, <laughs> when you've got the worst two teams in the division playing each other, it's a battle to not be last. And they'll both have each other early. Shouldn't be a lot of injury there unless something kind of freaky happens in week one. So, yeah, that'll, again, that'll probably be the most the best game and the worst game at the same time bet- between those two teams. So anyway, all right, getting out of Mississippi, though, what, what about Missouri? They're our last team for the day to break down. What are your thoughts there? Well, I'm curious to see what Derek Dooley does with Kelly Bryant. I think he's a, a good talent. Obviously, he did a nice job at Clemson and was replaced by Trevor Lawrence and decided to transfer. And, you know, I think everybody knows by now he ended up in Columbia, Missouri. And Derek Dooley is the offensive coordinator uh, for Barry Odom. And, you know, he's not Drew Locke. He's a different type of guy. I think that they're going to bring in a lot of the stuff that Bryant did at Clemson. I know they will. Uh, you don't want to run them in the Drew Locke offense or the offense that you ran with Drew Locke. Uh, I think it's a really good backfield. I, you know, Larry Roundtree is maybe the, well, he's one of the best running backs in the country that no one knows about. He definitely is the best running back in the SEC that no one ever talks about. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, he and Kashawn and Kayshawn Vaughn, of Vanderbilt or two elite backs that could start for anybody in the SEC. Most people in the country play a lot, and and I don't know that people know a whole lot about them. This Missouri, Missouri team is interesting. I like the offensive line. It's solid. They're returning some guys. It could be really good right away. I like what Barry Odom has done on defense. I, I think he gets um, you know just good players to play really well. I think they do a good job. Uh, Filling gaps, be where they're supposed to be. Uh, they're 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 tough to wear down. Now they miss some kids. I think that uh, the Jordan Elliott kid is can be really good. They'll miss Terry Beckner, but this is a good team. Now, if you're looking for a team that can be this year's Kentucky, and you know what I mean by that. Last year they made a nice run at Kentucky, and the, Missouri could be that. I, I could see them starting and beating Wyoming. West Virginia's down. Southeast Missouri, they're three and zero. The South Carolina game is going to be pivotal. Um, you know, they get that at home, an advantage. Troy's a good team, but they'll win. They'll beat Ole Miss. They'll beat Vanderbilt. I mean, we're talking a team that could maybe approach nine wins. Um, you know, it's it's at Kentucky, Tennessee, South Carolina. I mean, remember, they're not uh, – they're playing Georgia. That's a loss. They're playing Florida. I don't think that's a win. But they, they avoid, you know, uh, I mean, they don't play the crossover game against an Alabama or an LSU or an AM. So they're they're aided by their schedule, and they're a pretty good team. And so it's the formula for Kentucky all over again. Can they get it done? Experienced quarterback, a winner, been in big games. I think if Derek does a good job with this offense, I think they can do some things with some boots and waggles and getting on the outside. Like their their playmakers at running back, I like their receivers. They've got the best tight end in the SEC. 
in Albert O. Uh, this team's pretty good. Uh, they've got a cornerback tandem of Holmes and AC that were among the most amongst the most disruptive in the SEC last year. Uh, I think the defense could be strong up the middle with Elliott and Garrett. Um, like a lot of teams, quarterback goes down, they're in trouble. Their depth at running back, they're in trouble. So Roundtree goes down, all of a sudden, a big strength becomes a real question mark. Um, Remember when Missouri always had a really good edge rusher? They don't have that right now. They haven't had it for a while. And special teams really struggled. Look, they blew the game. Missouri had Kentucky beat last year. You go back. I mean, they you talk about you're what your record says you are. That is a case where they screwed it up. Remember that Kentucky scored that last play. I mean, that that Missouri. You know, if they take care of business. They're in pretty good shape. And it really comes down to, uh, you know, I think they're definitely six wins. And if they beat South Carolina, Kentucky, Tennessee, that's nine wins. And with the two losses being at Georgia and Florida, that's kind of how I think this team could be. I think nine and, uh, excuse me, that would be 10 wins if if you go through it because beating Wyoming. So Wyoming, West Virginia, Southeast Missouri, Troy, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, that's six. Um, And so Tennessee, Kentucky, South Carolina, that would be nine. Uh, What am I missing here? There's a game I missed. So I'm I'm thinking Arkansas. Arkansas, I'm sorry. That's another win. So that's that's potentially ten wins. Are they going to get to all of that? Um, I, I mean, I think there's seven wins right now that I'm pretty certain. And it's South Carolina, Kentucky, and Tennessee is going to determine how much more than seven, either eight, nine, dare I say 10. I think from a roster standpoint, they could do it. I think South Carolina is going to be a real test that could go either way. I think this Missouri team is a little bit better than Kentucky, and I think they're a little bit better than Tennessee. So I don't think they're as good as Georgia. I don't think they're as good as Florida. So we could be talking about nine wins for Missouri this year and, and still losing to Georgia in Florida um, and losing to one of those teams. That's a pretty good year. And that's maybe not what people are expecting, but I think there's a good chance that they could end up as the third place finisher in the East. And um, you know, I think that uh, they've got, they've got a lot of things going for them. And I got to say this, Barry Odom, he's one of their guys. He's a Missouri guy. I didn't think that that was an ideal fit. I still don't know that the recruiting footprint is going to be as good as they ultimately need. But I got to tell you, you know, Missouri's running a program a lot like what Kentucky's doing right now, a good of Mississippi State, a good developmental program in the East. Got to give it to them. Look, they, they went to the SEC championship game a couple of times. But that's when Georgia and Florida were shooting themselves in the foot and Tennessee was nowhere to be found either. And so they got in by the fact that they were the best of a group where the big boys weren't doing their job. Missouri's not going to go to the SEC championship game unless that reoccurs. But they can have years where they go consistently winning maybe eight games a year. Uh, And as I said, a a year like this year, they may win nine or ten with the right type of break schedule-wise and the right type of players. And I do think with the playmakers at receiver and running back and the quarterback and a really good offensive line, a very underrated offensive line. 
Uh, they've got a chance to be pretty good. And defensively, again, they give you a lot of different looks. They don't have great edge rushers, so they look a little different than their years where they had really good seasons. But at, nonetheless, I think there's a really good season in store in uh, Columbia this year. Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and we'll probably get to the other Columbia next week or the week after. But, um, yeah, I mean, Missouri had the upset potential too, right? Like they throttled UF last year. They played Georgia fairly close, kind of had a second quarter. They got away from them, but the rest of the game ended up being a two-score final. I wouldn't obviously predict them to to beat UF again for the second year in a row, but that does seem to always be the, the school that UF struggles with, always kind of gives them fits. It'll be, yes. re- I mean, Locke is is really the reason last year, and, and Missouri's defense was great too. But um, it'll be interesting to see what Kelly Bryant can do there. You know, I'm also really targeting that Missouri-South Carolina game that you talked about. That game last year between those two was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, ended 37-35. Yes. Last second field goal to give South Carolina the win. But uh, what about the storyline that comes out of that where it's going to be Kelly Bryant, who's played them at another school uh, going Absolutely. up against them. And so, uh, yeah, their schedule sets up really good, really well. That first or the second week, Missouri and West Virginia, that's going to be a fun one. I think the Missouri-South Carolina game will be really good. I think Georgia gets them pretty good, but I think that Florida coming into town with some payback on their minds will be really good. And then I think they finish out with a couple of wins against Tennessee and Arkansas. So, yeah, like kind of the like you talked about last week, last year with Kentucky, kind of that perfect storm brewing of if they can get off to a good start and start, you know, five and one, six and zero. Oh, maybe even better uh you know that south carolina and the west virginia games are obviously pivotal pivotal for that but if they can get off to a good start maybe everything breaks the right way and they finish off a a a fairly easy schedule with you know nine or ten wins or nine wins and then get a bowl game and see what happens so i think that kelly bryant aspect is going to be really interesting to see because everybody all the pundits everybody had their opinions on what he should do um, with Clemson and Lawrence kind of being the guy there, but I'm excited to see what he can do at another school and, and see him really go out and prove it. So I know the offense will change a little bit. I mean, he's not lock obviously, but I think it'll be a lot of fun to see. And I think it'll something we'll obviously follow all year. Well, listen, and listen, I'm fully aware of what Missouri's done against Florida. They're six and zero against Florida, Tennessee and Arkansas the last two years. Now, Arkansas and Tennessee, you, you kind of could see that. Because of like, Tennessee's trying to get back and Arkansas is really struggling. But Florida, it's amazing how well they've played Florida. And, and I'm counting that Florida game as a loss because I think it's a different Florida with Dan Mullen. And I don't think you can you start to carry over history in different programs and different cultures. I don't think it really applies as much as people want to think. But they do play them well. And, and if they were to beat a Florida. I mean, you could really have a phenomenal season. I don't, I don't expect them to hit everything and go 11 and one. Uh, but in turn, you know, because, but I do think that, uh, Tennessee is a game that they've got a really good chance. And, um, you know, at Kentucky, I think they're in better shape. And I do think that South Carolina, um, look, if they're able to take care of business, it could be a special season. Uh, There's no doubt about it yet that you have not been able to defeat South Carolina or Kentucky. 
you know, so South Carolina has never been, you know, as much as they've done a good job against Florida, they don't beat South Carolina. So when I call it a question mark, I mean, you look at recent history, it's South Carolina all the way. You mentioned the closeness of that game, but getting it done, it's in, it's in Missouri this year, the, the Columbia, Missouri, but that's a game that's gotten by them in the past. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Every team, it seems like has those teams that just kind of, you know, get to them that they just can't get over. Like you think about Miami always seems to struggle with Pitt. Pitt's never great, um, but they always seem to struggle with them. Florida's had their recent struggles with Missouri. Um, Florida State always seems to struggle with North Carolina. And so there's just different ones. I mean, obviously, I just mentioned the big three there. So there's just different teams for it, and it goes in cycles, and it can be tough. Um, So, yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see who overcomes what. Yeah, it's styles and matchups, too. Yeah, it's styles and matchups a lot, too, that – you know, but then sometimes it does transcend it. But yeah, it's kind of interesting that Missouri, it can't beat Kentucky. They can't beat South Carolina. I mean, they, they had a great chance last year against both of them, but they didn't get it done, but they do a really good job against Florida. I mean, go figure. And listen, they were able to do it, you know, last year play, you know, that, that Florida game was really interesting last year. Um, and, and kind of surprising. So who knows? Uh, I think it's going to be a good year for Missouri. And again, maybe the surprise team in the East. And by that, I mean, they're not going to challenge Georgia for the East. I think Georgia, Florida is probably going to finish second and going to be the one challenger to Georgia. But like Kentucky was the flavor of the year and they went into the Georgia game with a quote unquote shot of the East. I think you could see Missouri doing that this year, going to Georgia on November 9th with, hey, you know, this is, uh, you know, the test. They've Missouri still got a shot. I Like Kentucky did, I still think you could see that. But I think Georgia, I think Georgia not only beats them, but hammers them. I think they match up very well against Mizzou. We'll get into it more, obviously, as we go. But Georgia's got quite the uh, quite the November going. We'll get into their schedule later, so not to jump too far ahead. But I just kind of looked at it. Uh, the cocktail party on the second, then Missouri, which again we could at least have implications there. Uh, maybe put a little bit more pressure on Georgia if Missouri is playing for uh, the SEC or something like that, and then Auburn and A and M the next week. So. Definitely not the not the easiest stretch. I mean, Georgia will definitely go through it if if they can get back to Atlanta, but we'll we'll save that for another week. Uh, before we go, unless you had anything else, I wanted to shout out our Twitter handle, the SEC Football Show is just at SEC Football Show. Send us any questions you have there. Uh, we had a question over on the ACC show that we answered today. I know that we're just kind of getting kicked off and getting started. You can also email me. Um, TJ at Big3RollUp.com. That's number three. TJ at Big3RollUp.com. You can tweet the show. You can message the show. You can send Chris a message. You can send me one. We're happy to kind of take your questions. We want this to be as interactive as possible. Um, If you agree with something we've said, if you disagree, if you have a take, you have a point, we are more than happy to hear that, discuss that on the show. Any kind of matchups you're looking for in a, a game matchup or a player matchup or a position matchup, any recruits or people on or folks on rosters that you want to talk about, we are more than happy to do so. So hit us up there, follow us on, on that. Um, check out Landry football. Appreciate being part of the big three roll up network run, run through all my shout outs and, and, 
in everything we've done today. But Chris, do you have anything else? Again, these fly by, but what, what, what's on your mind? Yeah, well, listen, I, I think we've covered a lot today, and we really want the feedback of folks. Folks, it's going to be a blast this season. We've got an exciting football season forthcoming. Um, as we get into the season, obviously going to be breaking down the games. What happened last week? What's coming up this week? We're having a lot of fun now. We're going through a lot of these previews team by team because we just kind of started this up. We're, we're doing three or four a week to get them all in before the start of the season. Ideally, and next year we'll do this, take one a week. So we'll go a little bit more in depth. But listen, we want to take you inside the game to give you the why. So we're excited about it and recruiting to the personnel, to the coaching. That's what we want to provide for you. Listen, we, I love the passion of the fans. I love how, you know, you know, everyone loves, you know, following their team. But I always say this, if you want to be a learned fan, it's great to pull for a team. But if you pull for a team, you only see half a game. So what we're going to try to do here, my viewpoint is to give you an objective analytical approach. Doesn't mean I'm right, folks. It doesn't mean I'm going to pick a game right or anything like that. A lot of things happen, but going to tell you what happened, why it happened, and what I see from inside the film room studying it. That'll give you an objective viewpoint. Look, I, I think it's disrespectful to you as a fan for me to tell you what you want to hear. I'm going to tell you what I think. So when I tell you something about your team, uh, it is done with a lot of forethought, a lot of analysis, and it's what I do for college programs and NFL teams uh, and what they pay me for. So I'm going to provide that for you, too. I'm not going to patronize you and just tell you everything's great. Uh, look, I mean, and if you don't like that and you want a cheerleader type, probably not going to like what I have to say sometimes. But <laughs> we're going to really give that to you so you get a good viewpoint of kind of where things are and kind of kind of call upon my background as a college football coach, a high school coach first, a college football coach, a college recruiting coordinator, an NFL coach, an NFL scout, an executive. So that's what we try to bring for you. So it's going to be a blast. We're doing it for you. We're trying to serve you. And so give us the feedback. Give us your questions. We're going to be breaking it down for you. And the best thing you can do for us is if for us to be around and sustain this, Spread the word of what we're doing. We've got a podcast on all five major conferences. Who is doing that? The answer, no one. We're doing it all. I'm involved in all five. So whether you're an SEC fan, an ACC fan, a Big Ten fan, a Big 12 fan, a Pac-12 fan, we're going to give it all of you. And we're doing it that way so we can go in-depth through all the leagues. And oh, by the way, we're not forgetting you group of five schools. We're going to talk about those schools as necessary and as needed with geographically within the conference. So we got college football covered soup to nuts inside the film room. Join us every day. But the way you can most help us is to spread the word. Find 10, 15 fans that you can put out on social media. Tell them about what we're doing here and spread it like wildfire because we're onto something that we're excited about. But it won't matter unless we get your help. Absolutely. It's going to be fun, man. 31 days when this drops. So one month we uh, will tie together our ACC and SEC. But one month that season kicks off in Orlando, Florida. And should be a lot of fun, man, going up to that. Should be a lot of fun after it as well, doing these shows with you. So, hey, man, I appreciate you hanging out today and talking a little bit. I feel like the marathon's over and I can take a breath. I know you're going to be on another show tonight or another couple shows, but I appreciate you hanging out today. Oh, my pleasure being with you as always, and we'll do it again next week, everybody.